My name is Pastor Dave. I'm thankful. I'm honored to be here with you this morning. Uh, thankful for everyone who's participating this morning uh, and for y'all who came. I know you came for the turkey, but I'm still glad you're here. <laughs> I wanted to make a quick announcement. We have heard from you who were concerned about sound. We're going to keep improving it so that, Lord willing, everyone is able to hear uh, but we are working on that. And as you have concerns, Jerry Hernbloom, our executive director, is the one to go to so that he can help our team to field those concerns and to, to do what we can to make our sanctuary experience as well accessible and clear as possible. I hope you've turned in your Bibles with me to John 21. Uh, if you haven't yet, go ahead and grab a Bible and turn there. You can do it on your phone as well. Today, I'm thinking about uh, my calling as a pastor, I'm thinking about your expectations of me as a pastor. And so I just ask the question with you, what should you expect from a pastor? What should you expect? There are things that you will see of me as a pastor, and there are many things that you won't see. I'm sure that you expect uh, a decent sermon from the scriptures. I hope that you receive those. Uh, and, uh, and if you don't, uh, also tell Jerry. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Lord willing, uh, over time, that'll be something that's the experience of, of the pastor here at Faith Church and in every Christian church. I hope that you experience worship services where you get to experience the presence of God meeting you. You get to sing his praises and he inhabits our praises. He meets us in our prayers. He meets us in the preaching of the word and all these things. I hope uh, that you get to see well-attended church events like the fall carnival, like today. You'll see, no doubt, as many of you have already seen that your, your pastor isn't wearing a tie and a coat. I know that's painful for some. Um, Lord have mercy on me and on, on you, um, all of us together. I was, I was just trying not to upstage Rich Swedberg, who's here today, who's looking really good in that coat and tie. But there are things that you won't see, most likely. You won't see me at the breakfast table and at bedtime with my children. You won't see me in the moments of prayer, the quiet moments when I pray for you. You won't see me when I sin, for the most part. You see the curated, manicured version of Dave upon stage. But I do sin. Christina can attest to that. Anyone who knows me. You can't see my heart or my mind. That's what the Lord does. What should you expect from a pastor? Just from this short list of things, you might realize that I could do all sorts of things that would make you think that I am the best pastor. I could give you exactly what you think you want and I could utterly fail in my calling. And so in this passage today, I think we get to the heart. What should you expect of a pastor? You should expect him to love Jesus. So let's take a moment and pray, and then we'll walk through this passage together. Father, thank you. Thank you that you would uh, let someone like me serve you, that you have use for me. I am a sinner. I have wandered far from your path. 
And every time you have grabbed hold of me, you have stopped me, and you've placed a, a collar on me, a calling in ministry. And Lord, I pray that um, even today and in the many days going forward, that you'd give me grace to never forget what's more important than being seen by the people here. I want to live before your sight, Father. I want each of your dear children to live before your sight. And so please help me today to preach your word well. To that end, Lord, and for the glory of Jesus, amen. What should you expect from a pastor? The first thing we see in this passage is Jesus is coming to Peter. And so you should expect your pastor to love Jesus as a rescued sheep. Peter himself, you remember in John 13, he's with Jesus in the upper room. And there he says to Jesus, I would die for you. He's upset with Jesus because Jesus says that he can't follow after him where he's going. He says, but but Jesus, I would follow you anywhere. I would die for you. And Jesus says, you would give your life for me, Peter? I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And you know the story? Fearful for his life, when it actually came down to it, Peter denied knowing Jesus because he knew that he would go to a cross just like Jesus in that moment, and he was afraid if he admitted to knowing him. So he denied it. even calls down a curse from heaven upon himself if he should be lying, and of course, he was. And when the rooster crowed, he was crushed because he realized what he did. He had turned his back on his first love, on his only hope. And where did that leave him? And so here, in this passage, we see Jesus coming to Peter, his dear sheep. Jesus is a better pastor than Peter, and he's a better pastor than me. You know, pastor means shepherd. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10? He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. On that day, Peter was a hired hand. He fit the mold. A day might come, I find myself a hired hand. And what do I have then? I have a savior. Before I ever accepted this calling, I was David. I was Jesus's little lamb. And that matters more. (laughs) I'm a rescued sheep. So even if I would come to a place like Peter where I've utterly betrayed my vows, I have a savior who would call me home, who would lay down his life for me and take his life up again. And that's just what Jesus had done in this passage. The context is Jesus is risen and he just had breakfast. 
So he's not kind of risen. He's not just some wispy spirit being sort of appearing. He is truly risen, bodily, present with them, munching on fish and bread. And there, after he finished breakfast, he has words with Peter. Verse 15, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We don't know what Jesus was pointing to. It could have been the food. It could have been the fishing gear that was scattered around. It could have been the other disciples. I don't know what it was precisely, but is Jesus the first love of your heart, Peter? Am I your first love? He's asking to Peter. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said, feed my lambs. So the next thing we learn about what to expect from a pastor is that a pastor should love Jesus as an under shepherd. And in fact, should love Jesus's sheep because he himself has received Jesus's care. He himself has been tenderly dealt with as a sheep by the shepherd. And he wants to extend that care to feed the lambs of Jesus. A second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep, he says this time. Care for them according to their needs. He said to them, said to Peter a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time it hits him. Just as he had utterly failed in his calling and betrayed Jesus three times. Now Jesus restores him threefold, letting him express the true love of his heart. Yes, I love you. And giving him a commission, an exhortation. Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, what does the under shepherd feed the sheep? He feeds them the only food that he knows. What was the food that Jesus ate? My food is to do the will of my father who sent me. He says, man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so the under shepherd doesn't offer the sheep just what they want. That's what the hired hand does. And so this is all I have, guys. So I'm not a good salesman. I don't have anything but what's in God's word. I can offer you Christ from the scriptures and he is true food. He is true drink. This is what I will feed you with because I love Jesus. You should expect a pastor to love Jesus as an under shepherd and you should expect the pastor still to love Jesus ultimately as an ordinary sheep. What does Jesus say after all this? After he's spoken of the kind of death Peter will die if he should follow Jesus and he would. By the time John wrote this gospel, Peter has probably been crucified under Nero. His hands stretched out. He died in this way to glorify God. But after saying this to him, Jesus says, follow me, follow me. The call of a pastor, hear this, the call of a pastor is not to lead God's people. I'll say it again. The call of the pastor is not to lead God's people. That's what Jesus does. The call of a pastor is to follow Jesus as an ordinary sheep and to do what Jesus tells him to do, to feed the sheep, 
and to point to Christ, the true shepherd. Eugene Peterson, a pastor I look up to, said, our basic identity is not leader, but follower. Jesus never tells us to lead. He invites us to follow. I'm an ordinary sheep. I don't have a more important job than you. It's a unique job. I'll follow Jesus with you, but I can't do it alone. And that's where I ask you, Faith Church, for your help. Because there's so many things unseen that I need help in following Jesus in. You don't see me at the breakfast table when I'm short-tempered with my children and at bedtime when I'm tired and cranky and I'd rather just go to bed or eat some chips and watch a show than pray with my children and read that book as they're going to bed. You don't see me when I'm short-tempered with my wife. You don't see me in my sin. But I need to be seen there. Just like Peter. Because your hope, Faith Church, is not in me. I am a little pastor who's tempted in every way as you are and with plenty of sin. But the hope that we all have is a great high priest who is tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. And so he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses. We can go to him with them all. And I need you to point me back to him, back to his loveliness. I invite you to ask those questions about the unseen things. You'll see, Lord willing, decent sermons. You'll see the other things that are measures of success. But I want you to know this. When, when your search committee asked me, what is my definition of success as a pastor? This was it. I, I said, I just want to still love God in 30 years. Guys, that's what I want. I've seen so many pastors who've, who've lost sight of that. And I've had so many moments in my life where I've lost sight of that. And I could see so easily becoming Peter and wandering off of Jesus's path. I need, I need him speaking through his other sheep and his other under shepherds so that I can finish the race that he's given me so that I could follow him with you. So ask me about those unseen things. Point me to Jesus. Remind me of his loveliness. Remind me of why I'm here. It's because of Jesus. Christ revealed in scripture, the only food I have, the only food I know. What should you expect from your pastor, Faith Church? You should expect him to love Jesus. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you would give your son, Jesus, our great shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Thank you, even for me. You are great and true. And I pray that we would all be singing these things from the heart, not to be seen, but because it's true. And you are lovely and you are all we need. We pray that you'd be our song for all our days into eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This time, uh, ruling elder Richard Swedberg is gonna come up and we're gonna begin uh, the installation service. We don't always wear our Presbyterianism on our sleeve, but we really are putting on the Presbyterian pants today.
So uh, you'll see uh, that we, uh, we take this process seriously and that we're connected to a broader body that holds me accountable and is praying for you and supports you and loves you. And uh, so uh, Richard at this time is going to come forward and read this, lead this portion of the service. I can say, Faith Church, what a great day this is. This is what our sovereign God does by bringing David and his family to this church. I'm going to open with a scripture from Titus chapter 2. So in Titus chapter 2, Paul is addressing the young preacher Titus, and he says, As for you, Titus, so as for you, David, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching cannot be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. According to the scripture, those who hold the office of teaching elder should be sound in faith and have an aptitude for teaching. Their lives should reflect holiness and discipline that brings honor to Christ. Pastors are to preach and expound the word, be God's prophet to the people, and the people's priests before God. Pastors lead the church in worship, celebrate the sacraments, and oversee the education, nurture, and mission of the church. As the law of love places certain responsibilities upon each Christian, the pastor is especially bound to fulfill those responsibilities and to be an example to all. So now I'm going to have ruling elder Pat, Pam Laporte, come and give the installation vows to Pastor David. David, do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? By God's grace, I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Catechism of this Church as contained in the system of doctrine, as the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? I do. Do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with the system of doctrine as taught in the Scriptures and as contained in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Catechisms of this Church, you will, on your own initiative, 
make known to your presbytery the change that has taken place in your views since the assumption of your ordination vows? I do. Do you affirm and adopt the essentials of our faith without exception? I do. Do you subscribe to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church? I do. Do you promise subjection to your fellow presbyters in the Lord? I do. Have you been induced, as far as you know in your own heart, to seek the office of holy minister from a love of God and a sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? Yes, I have. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truth of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church whenever persecution or opposition may arise upon, unto you upon account of this? Yes. Okay, and, and David, just two more. Will you seek to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and as a teaching elder, whether personal or interpersonal, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before the congregation of which God is making you overseer. I will. And are you now willing to accept the call of this church as pastor and relying upon God for strength, promise to discharge to the best of your duties that required of that office. I am. Okay, great. And now the congregation has a part in this too, so I'm going to call Pastor Jim Murphy to give the congregation. Well, Pastor Dave has made some, some serious commitments to us, and uh, now it's our opportunity to make our commitment to him. So are you, the members of this congregation, ready to receive David Hoffelmeyer as your pastor? Do you promise to submit to him in matters of spiritual discipline and to receive with humility and love the word of truth? Do you promise to support Pastor Dave with your prayers, to give encouragement and assistance in every way as he seeks to instruct you in the things of the Lord and to lead you in the building of the kingdom of God in this place? Do you? And do you commit yourselves to fulfill the terms of call? That means pay him. <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure what that meant. It's Presbyterianism for <laughs> we're going to pay him. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you commit yourselves to fulfill the terms of the call you have extended and to make provision for David's needs in order that the name of Christ might be glorified? Yes. Amen. Uh, thank you. Now, at this time, we're going to have David kneel in front of his congregation, and I'd like to have any of the elders of Faith Church and those that are previous elders to come up and lay hands on David and the commission, and I'll be praying for him. And now those that don't come up can raise and stick their hand and, let, and hold your hand up over them as we pray for David. God, our Father, we give you thanks for calling David to the office of teaching elder in this church Faith Evangelical Church. In obedience to your calling, we lay hands on him and install him to this office. We pray that you will fill David freshly with your Holy Spirit and enable him to faithfully serve you as the people to whom joy has given him charge. Through the name of the Good Shepherd, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Thank you. Hey. Thank you. Real deal. God bless you. A lot of hugs to go around here. <laughs> hey, brother. Oh, two hugs. Two hugs at once. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Steve. Oh. <laughs> hey, God bless you. God bless you. So by the authority of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and the Presbytery of the West, I declare that David Hoffemeyer has been ordained to the gospel ministry of this church and that he has been duly and properly installed as pastor of this congregation, agreeable to the word of God and the laws of this church. As such, David is entitled to be given support, encouragement, honor, and obedience to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, please be seated. Now I want to call on Chaplain Mike Anderson, Teaching Elder Mike Anderson, to give a charge to David. So many things with us, whoops, is us Presbyterians. One more uh, piece of the, the program here. And uh, Pastor Hoffelmeyer, uh, thank you for the privilege of being here and presenting this charge to you. Faith Church, thanks so much for a beautiful time of worship this morning. It's been really good to be here. Um, and as a neighbor in Fort Collins, I look forward to getting to know you and your family, Christina, uh, in the days and months and hopefully years to come. Um, there aren't too many times in our life when we're given a charge, you know, unless it's our credit cards or a finance charge or a criminal charge if we go beyond the, the law. And this, But this is different. This isn't a charge that you have to defend. This is a, this is a charge to receive, to step into. Uh, it's something to remind you as you continue to follow Jesus Christ as your shepherd and your Lord of sa and Savior. Uh, it's kind of a, a crest, if you will, a faith crest, something, an oath that you're now taking. And you know as well as I do being in ministry, as long as you have that, um, there are challenges that will come. There'll be storms that will come There'll be times that you'll wonder, Lord, where are you leading me and what is going on? And this is a chance to come back to this day, to this charge, and remember it as kind of a marker to give you strength. Oh yes, this is what I've signed up for. This is my responsibility with the Lord's help. This is what I intend to be doing with my life and ministry. And the first part of this charge is contrasting polarities. So I charge you not with overthinking, but with faithfully praying not with worrying or ruminating, but with trusting and being a non-anxious, faith-based presence. Not with controlling, but with empowering. Not with coercing, but with serving. Not with pretense or posing or positioning, but with honesty. Not with coveting or comparing, but with caring and nurturing those God has entrusted to you, beginning with and continuing with your own wife and children and family. 
I charge you not with reacting, but with responding and leading and shepherding just as Jesus leads and guides and corrects you. Not with being a know-it-all, but with being a lifetime learner. Not withholding your responsibilities too tightly, but with holding them openly before the Lord. I was recently reminded of this when I read a prayer of Pope John Paul, who I guess most every night would pray, Lord, thank you for the privilege of serving your church, but it's your church and I'm going to bed. So I hope you have that sort of attitude. Not with trusting your degrees and accomplishments, but humbly walking with and trusting Jesus. Not with fearing, but with loving. And as Jesus did, showing up with a quiet and contented spirit, willing to share God's grace and truth, speaking the truth in love, being filled and prompted and led by the Holy Spirit. You are charged with caring and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God in his great love, as we read in Corinthians, made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That good news is your charge and your mission. And if I may say a word to you, Christina, because this isn't a two for one. Uh, Obviously your lives are wrapped up together, but you are a person of God. You are a woman, you are gifted, you're a mother. I don't know all the roles that you play, but obviously your lives are linked together. So I want to charge you also with following Christ, to humbly walk with your God, listening to the Spirit's leading, seeking his empowerment for your life, faithfully following Jesus in every area of your life, loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Do you accept this charge as well? Good. And Amelia and Isaac, and I, I don't know if Eden is here or not. It doesn't look like it. Uh, we're so glad that you're a part of this church family as well. And I know at times it can be tough being a pastor's kid, but we want you to not feel any special pressure, even though I'm putting pressure on you right now, even addressing you. But we just, we just want you to be kids and to have fun. And just as a reminder of that, turtles are big to me. I've got some turtles here for you guys, just to, as a reminder of this day. Could I toss that to you there? There you go. You won't get things tossed to you very often in church like this, but here you go. And we've got one for your brother. Would you, Isaac, give this to your your brother Eden there for us? Thank you. Mom and dad are going to have to fight over this one. Okay. And um, so just keep swimming. If you forget anything else, just keep swimming. Keep having fun. Keep being the children, the, the person, the people that God has called you to be as well. And this is my prayer now for you, David, uh, Christina, and family, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in depth of insight, that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And now my privilege to uh, invite back up Pastor Jim Murphy, my friend. Thank you. Do you want this? Okay. 
so my my role at this uh, point in the in the ceremony is to give some counsel, some advice to us as a congregation as we formally, officially enter into this relationship with our new lead pastor. And it comes in the context of this installation service, they call it another charge. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a charge to us, the congregation. And my charge to us is talk about him. Talk about your pastor. First, talk about him to God. Over my 27 years here as pastor, without any doubt, my greatest need was for people to pray for me. And many of you did, and I'm going to thank you for that. That was, that was my salvation. Does this thing go up? It does, but then this goes down. Okay. Okay. We need to pray for him. We need to talk to God about him. Uh, we need to pray for wisdom, among other things. Pastors need wisdom in all sorts of situations. One of the vows he just took says, Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the purity and peace of the church? And let me just show you how the purity and peace of the church might be in tension. Imagine a prominent member of our congregation, someone who has a significant following, uh, comes to the pastor and says he wants to teach a Sunday school class uh, on the notion that the grace of God means that in the end, everyone will be saved. He says it's just not, not befitting a, a loving and gracious God to send anyone to hell. So he wants to teach this doctrine. You see how the purity and the peace of the church need to be sorted out. And pastors deal with difficult questions like this all the time. We need to pray for wisdom. We want to pray for his leadership as well. He, he said he's not a leader, he's the follower of Christ. Thank you. But as you follow Christ, we're going to follow you. You cannot escape that. You are our lead pastor. And so we need to pray for his leadership. Leadership in any situation, but especially in a church, is something like herding cats. You're trying to, you're picturing that. That's good. See, 350 cats. Just get them all going in the same direction. Let me see you do that. Um, that's especially true in a church like ours, in a culture like ours, where every individual thinks they have the right to decide for themselves on every issue. Right? Pray that he will be unusually effective in leading our church to know and show the enduring truth and love of Jesus Christ as we become a disciple-making family for Loveland and the world. Pray for his family. Christina, Amelia, Isaac, Eden. Pray for his marriage. Marriage is under assault in our culture today. And a pastor has you know, built-in conflicts because many pastors unconsciously wind up feeling like they're married to the church. That's often the way it seems to the wife, like he's married to the church. There are these huge demands. All these people need me. Mm -hmm. So does your wife. We need to pray for his marriage. And kids, you who are grandparents, 
How many of you would like to be raising kids in today's culture? Pray for David and Christina as they raise their family. You need to pray for his preaching. The truth is that he interacts personally, face-to-face, with a limited number of us. But he preaches to all of us. So we want to pray for his sermons, for biblical insights, for boldness and clarity in his preaching. Pray that he would not shrink from telling us where we are wrong. We read Psalm 23. The shepherd, the good shepherd, carries a staff which comforts the sheep because the shepherd uses that staff to keep the sheep on the right path. Pray for his preaching. Pray for his weaknesses. We'll see some eventually. He keeps telling us we will. We all have them. How do you want people to respond to your weaknesses? You want folks to talk about them? No. Talk to God about them. And then pray for spiritual protection in his walk with God. The enemy would love to take Dave out of commission, and pastors fail every day in this country. Hundreds of them. We have to surround him with this force field of our prayers of protection. Pray that Jesus will become increasingly real to him, increasingly precious to him. In the words of C.S. Lewis, that that Dave would move farther in and farther up in his relationship with Jesus. Friends, here's the principle. I believe this is true with all my heart. A church gets the pastor they pray for. I hope you're hearing me. We will get the pastor we pray for. So talk to God about him. And then talk to others about him as well. Celebrate so many good things. Oh, my gosh. Uh, What a good man. His humility, which has been on display here this morning. And you should see his Facebook page for today if you haven't already. Hmm. Thank God for his biblically-based sermons and clear presentation of the gospel. Praise him and talk to others about him for the good decisions that he makes, the way he treats his wife and kids. He is a wonderful, wonderful man. And we are lucky to have him, not lucky, blessed to have him. There's lots for us to applaud and celebrate. And the more we get to know him, the more positives we'll see. So talk to people about that. Do you like this man? Talk to people about it, including your neighbors who don't go to church. Tell them what a great new pastor we have, and they should come hear him. Yeah. And then finally, talk to Dave about himself. Pastors get plenty of criticism. You be the one to offer sincere compliments, not flattery. We can smell it a mile off. Lovely sermon, Pastor. Oh, good. What part did you like especially? Or a more poignant question is, I'm glad you liked it. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't flatter him. But you be the one to give sincere compliments, genuine support encouragement. (laughs) Jeff and I know how absolutely necessary that is. I recently heard that about, Richard, can this be true, that about half of the pastors in our presbytery are in counseling? Oh my gosh, brothers and sisters. Just this week I read in Christianity Today that 
something over 35% of all pastors in this country are seriously considering leaving the ministry altogether. It's a hard job anyway. And then when you add on to that the pandemic and the different ways people have responded to that and our cultural inability to talk to one another civilly, we need to be the ones to applaud our pastor. Teachers, teachers know that it takes about 10 affirmations to overcome one criticism. Let's make sure we're giving our pastor the support, the encouragement, the affirmation that he needs. And if you think he's wrong about something, talk to him about it, not others. Huh? He won't be defensive. You've heard the humility that he's expressed here before us this morning. But talk to him, not anybody else. Do not gossip. If you didn't like the sermon, do not ask somebody, hey, what did you think of that sermon Sunday? Don't do that. If you don't agree with the decision he makes or some direction the church is going, first talk to God about him. And then either keep it to yourself or talk to Dave about him. We need to make every effort to maintain, to keep the unity that the Holy Spirit has created among us. Proverbs 18.8 says, Rumors, gossip, are like dainty morsels that go deep into one's heart. But brothers and sisters, they are corrosive to our souls and they are destructive of our unity. We must not allow factions and divisions in our body by speaking of our dissatisfaction with our pastor. So my charge to us, as though I'm not a member here, I count myself blessed to be a member of this congregation, part of this congregation. Let's talk about our pastor. Talk to him with sincere compliments and any concerns you might have. Talk to others about all the good things you see in him. And most especially, talk to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this man. We are so grateful that you've brought him to us. We bless you for the hard work of our search committee. We bless you for leading us to him. We bless you that he's accepted. And we thank you for this great day. Now, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be the congregation he deserves, even as we pray for him to be the pastor we need. In Christ's name, amen.